0: Welcome to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. Through the revelation of God's undeserved, unearned, and unmerited favor, we are committed to helping you make better changes in life, for life. I just want to talk to you this morning, and I just want us to lay a good foundation of the time that we are in. You know, it is our custom as a church that at the beginning of every year, we take some time to go before the Lord in prayer and we consecrate the first 10 days or we consecrate uh, the 1st to the 10th, or the 2nd to the 11th. Just have some time of concentrated uh, prayer and fasting, seeking God's guidance concerning the year, concerning our lives and everything pertaining to our lives. And I'm going to take some time this morning just to lay what I can call a foundation to prayer and fasting. A foundation to prayer and fasting. And allow me to begin by just highlighting perhaps one or two lines Um, to do with the story behind uh, the 10 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, I, I strongly believe that knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Not only is knowledge power, but knowledge is life. So it is important to do something from a position of full understanding. I know other people who, you know, we just do our 10 days, but there is no connection with the number 10. And as a result, some of us, we are easily talked out of prayer and fasting. We allow other people to talk down, you know, this season to diminish because there is little understanding concerning this number 10, 10 days. How did the church come up with 10 days? And uh, allow me just to share one or two lines around that. So, um, most of you know that the AFMIM in the United Kingdom has its roots in Zimbabwe. Has its roots in Zimbabwe. Uh, the church was founded by um, AFM members who were coming from Zimbabwe and they migrated here into the United Kingdom. So if I'm to go back to 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 to, to uh, the AFM uh, that is in Zimbabwe. Um, we, 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 we hold what we call the annual conferences around august time so it happened some time back i could not really establish the exact date but some time back i want to believe in the early 80s um when the church gathered um at our usual place of worship which is the rufaro and um at the end of the conference, those who have attended one of those conferences, at the end of those conferences on a Sunday, normally a benediction is given, you know, grace is given, journey messes, and dismissing people. Now, as the conference was coming to the end and a benediction had been given, then there was a prophetic word that came to the church. There was a prophetic word that came to the church, and the prophetic word that came, it was concerning a pandemic which was going to hit uh, the children. It was concerning a pandemic which was going to uh, hit um, the, the the children, you know the younger people. And then the Word of God says, in preparation for that, the church ought to take ten days of prayer soon after the conference. So the conference was starting was finishing on a Sunday. And then the prophetic word was saying as soon as people get back to their respective uh, assemblies, they need to set aside 10 consecutive days of praying, praying for God's protection for our children. Uh, you know, asking God's covering upon our children. Then in addition to that, the prophetic word then said, let this become your practice at the beginning of every year where we have to set aside 10 days. Now they were no longer just praying for the protection of their children, but as a practice, people had to commit the rest of the year into the hands of God, seek God's guidance in their lives continually. So this is how we begin to practice practice, uh, you know, the prayer and fasting of 10 days at the beginning of the year. It was a response to a prophetic word. It was a response to the speaking of the Holy Spirit in the church. And I'm sure we can all agree that with time, you know, developments begin to happen, and uh, you know, uh, we we tend to, uh, you know, to 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 add more stuff to this prayer. This is where now other people, instead of doing ten days, others were now doing fourteen days. Others they are now doing twenty-one days. I know of people that do the whole month of January in prayer and fasting. I know of others who would do forty days of prayer and fasting. You know, the argument should never be on the number of days the argument should always be on the practice of prayer and fasting and this morning i want to i want to build a foundation what i can call a biblical foundation to prayer and fasting so that as we uh, as we engage ourselves in this practice from today right up to the 11th of December we are all doing so with an understanding we are also doing so uh with a, with, with a confidence that is emanating from the word of god that is that is that is that is got the, the basis of the scriptures so i've got three questions that i want to ask Just to interrogate this morning to answer or to respond to. The first question is, what is fasting? That is what we want to look at. And then number two, we're going to look at why fast. There must be a compelling reason. We must be able to identify the purposes of fasting. And then number three, I'm going to go through the question, how do I fast? Uh, looking mainly at a practical guide to this season of fasting. So, number one, what is fasting? Number two, why fast? And then number three, how do we fast? So, let's start with number one. What is fasting? What is fasting? I'm sure we can all agree that fasting is not limited to, uh, you know, to, to 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 our spirituality or to Christianity. People do fast in different contexts or in different uh, in in different areas of uh, of, of life, and I want to start with the medical field. You know, in the medical field, whenever one is going for a major operation where they need to be put under general anaesthetic, you know, you are normally encouraged or uh, advised not to eat order to drink for a certain period of time, leading to the procedure, leading to this medical procedure. Obviously, this is done for for medical for medical reasons, much to do with controlling your body reflexes. Um, and I think it's mainly done to ensure that when you are undergoing a procedure, they they want to. Eliminate or limit the risks of you vomiting and then end up having food particles going into the wrong places in your body, like uh, going into your lungs, so that you're asked to abstain from food, that is fasting. That is also known as fasting. So in simple terms, we're talking of abstaining from food and in some cases as well as, as water. I'm sure ladies, you can agree with me. There are some ladies or even men who do fast for the purposes of losing weight. That is also what? It is also uh, it is also fasting. So there are a number of different contexts uh, which we find people practicing uh, fasting. But this morning, I want to draw our attention to biblical fasting. I want to draw our attention to what we are calling biblical fasting. And by that, allow me maybe by beginning to define then what is pract- what is fasting? What is fasting from a biblical perspective let's let's define that no so fasting this is how i'm defining it fasting it is a willful i want you to underline that word fasting it is a willful word based practice of abstaining from food and drink for a specific period of time for spiritual purposes can i repeat that now fasting is a willful Word best practice of abstaining from food and drink, right, for a specific period of time, for spiritual reasons. I know you're trying to follow me, and uh, uh, those who are, are on Facebook and YouTube you should be able to see the definition on the screen. But allow me just to do it again for the purposes of emphasis. Now, fasting it is a willful, so that means it eliminates the element of compulsion. Right. It is a willful, word based practice of abstaining from food and drink for a specific period of time for spiritual reasons. Now, that is very important. So, for you as a believer, this is then the context. Of prayer and fasting. And I also want you to take note that I'm not just talking of fasting in isolation or as a standalone practice, but fasting is always done in the context of prayer. right. Fasting has to be done in the context of prayer. right We cannot talk of fasting just by itself. why? Because fasting by itself does not equals to prayer. Right fasting alone is not equal to prayer. You've got to get this. It has to be prayer and fasting. So within that context it is it is it is it befits me maybe to say that then fasting is an extension of prayer. Fasting then it is an extension of prayer. I'm looking at it from a biblical position. Fasting then is an extension of prayer. You don't just fast and not pray. We pray and we are also fasting. We are abstaining from food while I am praying. I don't just abstain from food and consider that prayer. No. If you're abstaining from food for spiritual purposes, you ought to be praying. That is why I'm saying fasting is an extension of prayer. So every time we we are fasting, we ought to be praying. So if fasting then is an extension of prayer, so it means that the same principles that govern prayer are the same principles that govern fasting. Am I talking to the church this morning? That means the same principles that govern prayer are the same principles that govern fasting. What are are some of these principles? The principle of faith. Every time you pray, you need to observe the principle of faith. You know, a confidence in God, a trust in God, a positive response to what God has already done through Jesus Christ. That is the principle of prayer. So whenever you are engaging in fasting, you need to observe the same principles that apply to prayer. Another principle of prayer, it is the principle of confession. It is the principle of confession. Confession, it simply means to say the same thing. That is the underlying principle of of confession. To confess, it means you are saying the same thing. And in this context, you are saying the very same things God has already said. You are saying the same things that God has already said. There is also the principle of agreement. Every time you come into prayer, you must be able to observe the principle of agreement. You come into agreement with God. You cannot engage in the practice of prayer and fasting and disagree with the Word of God. You must be in agreement with God's Word. You must be in agreement with God's Word. So why am I saying all this? I want you to understand that fasting should never be separated from prayer. Hence, we talk of prayer And fasting, remember in the beginning I said there are people that fast for other reasons, for medical reasons, for weight loss reasons, and there are so many other reasons that people engage fasting. But for you and as a believer, especially in this season of prayer and fasting, the first 10 days, it is important that you don't separate fasting from prayer. And remember the basic of prayer, it is communicating with God. It is communicating with God. So, as you are fasting, you are communicating with God. You are engaging God in your life. You are involving God in your life, in your plans. You want to tap into the will of God. You want to tap into the ways of God. You want to align yourself to the mind of God concerning the season that we are in. Somebody say, Amen. And amen. So when we talk of prayer and fasting, in other words, we are talking of a practice of prayer and fasting that is now an outward expression of your total dependence on God. That is prayer and fasting. It is now an outward expression. I'm just describing prayer and fasting. It is now then an outward expression of one's total dependency on God. So when you go on your knees and you're engaging the supernatural, you're engaging God, you are saying, God, I'm dependent on you. Why? Because in this life, I've come to learn that you are the source of life. You are the source of strength. You are the source of everything that I'm ever going to need. And as a matter of fact, there are things in my life that will require the supernatural power for them to happen. Right. So, as I'm engaging God through prayer and fasting, it is now an outward expression of one's total dependency on God and God alone. So, that covers the whole aspect of what is prayer. It is a willful, word best practice of abstaining from food for a period of time for sp- for spiritual Purposes. Very important. Now, let's tackle the second question. Why fast? Why fast? And what I want to do, and I want to spend a little bit of time here opening a number of scriptures so that we can gain a biblical position to the reasons behind fasting. So, I've got seven seven reasons. Seven reasons. Seven biblical reasons why We fast, or why believers do fast. Number one, we fast as an act of obedience to God's instruction. We fast as an act of obedience to God's instructions. Very, very important. Now, where do we find this in the Word of God? Leviticus chapter number 23 verse number 26 to 32 and i'll read from the message translation you know the children of israel were given what are called the festivals or uh, what are called the feast of israel given or instructed by God. There are seven of them, but for the purposes of understanding, uh, you know, they are three, they fall into three major categories. So there is number one, which is called the Feast of Passover, and then number two, the Feast of Pentecost, and then number three, the Feast of Tabernacles. These are the three umbrellas of them. But in total, there are seven festivals that Israel had to observe. Now, amongst these or observances. There is one that is called the Feast of Atonement, or the Day of Atonement. It falls under the last category, which is the Feast of the Tabernacles. There is what is called the Feast of Atonement, or the Day of Atonement. This is what Leviticus 23 is addressing. So let's read it. Verse number 26, it says, God said to Moses, The tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly fast and offer a fire gift to God. Right, I want you to take note of that. Hold a sacred assembly fast. They are called to abstain from food right? And they are required to offer a fire as a gift to God. Number 28, don't wake on that day. These are in the instructions to observe this day. Don't wake on that day because it is a day of atonement to make atonement for you before your God. Verse number 29, anyone who doesn't fast, there are consequences for not obeying this instruction. Anyone who doesn't fast on that day must be cut off from his people, right? Anyone who doesn't obey God must be cut off. There was a death penalty associated with this. Now, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be scared, right? I'm not here to instill any fear in you. We've got to look at the scriptures within their context. This was directed to the nation of Israel, who was living under the dispensation of the law. So very important. But we want to establish biblical basis for fasting. Verse number 30 goes on to say, I will destroy from among his people anyone who works on that day. Anyone who works on that day, verse 31, don't do any work that day. None. This is a perpetual decree. They were supposed to do it again and again, right? Every year they had to do it. This is a perpetual decree for all the generations to come, wherever you happen to be living. It is a Sabbath of complete and total rest, a fast day, right? A day of abstaining from food. Observe your Sabbath from the evening of the ninth day of the month until your Sabbath from the evening of the ninth day sorry, until the following evening. So what we are seeing in this passage of the scripture is that Israel is fasting as an act of obedience to God's instructions. This is the first reason that we establish in the word of God. We fast as an act of obedience to God's instruction. There are times in your life as a believer where the Holy Spirit is going to call you to a time of prayer and fasting. We will do so as an act of obedience to God. So that is number one. It is very biblical. Now, if God is establishing a fast, Giving the instruction to the nation of Israel. That means we cannot debate whether, we, whether fasting is valid or invalid according to the word of God. There they should never be an argument of that nature. If we find God instructing his people to hold a fast, that means fasting is part of God's will. That's number one. First reason. Reason number two. We fast as an expression of Repentance. Fasting is done as an expression of repentance. Daniel chapter number nine, verse number one to three. You know, there are a number of Old Testament uh, passages of scripture that I could open, but I want to let's just pick this one. Daniel chapter number one, chapter number nine, verse number one to verse number three from the NIV, where we are looking at fasting for the purposes of repentance as an expression of repentance. Daniel chapter number nine, verse number one, it says, in the first year of Darius, son of Zexus, a mid by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, verse number two, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, not me, but the Daniel in the Bible, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem or the destruction of Of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Verse number three. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting. I want you to underline that. Not only in prayer, not only in petition, but also in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. What is he doing? He is engaging God in prayer. He wants to understand the mind of God concerning the times and the seasons. And what does Daniel do? He turns to the Lord God in prayer and pleading with him in prayer and petition and also in fasting, in sackcloth and also in ashes. What is Daniel doing? He is praying and he is also fasting. He is communicating to God while at the same time abstaining from food. Very, very, very important. So what is the second reason for fasting according to Daniel chapter number 9? What Daniel was doing, he was confessing his sins and the sins of his people, but he is doing so through prayer and fasting. The nation of Israel, every time they tend against God and they came a time where now they are repenting, they would normally do so by engaging fasting, by the practice of fasting as well. So we find fasting done as an expression of repentance to God. When you go to verse number 22, verse number 22 of Daniel chapter number 9, the first same chapter, we see God responding to Daniel's prayer and fasting. Yeah, we see God responding to Daniel's prayer and fasting. Verse number 20, it says, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord, my God, for his holy hill. Verse number 21, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. Verse 22, he instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have come to give you insight and understanding. Brothers and sisters, we serve a God who responds to prayer and fasting. We serve a God who responds to prayer and fasting as long as it is done sincerely and as long as it's done according to the revealed word of God. We serve a God who who responds to prayer and fasting. Verse 22, he says, And he instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have come now to give you insight and understanding. Remember, He was reading the book or the writings of Jeremiah and he's noticing that there are certain things that are now falling in place, but he wanted more insight. He wanted more understanding concerning this and he engaged himself in prayer and also in fasting. Now in verse 22, we see now God through the messenger, angel Gabriel, God responding to Daniel's prayer and fasting. So reason number two, We pray and we fast as an expression of repentance. Reason number three, number three, why do we fast? Number three, we fast in seeking supernatural guidance. We seek, we fast seeking supernatural guidance. I really want you to follow me here. We do so as we seek supernatural guidance. We want God to lead us. We want God's directives. We want to obtain direction from the Lord concerning the next step. 2 Chronicles, chapter number 20, verse number 1 to verse number 3. 2 Chronicles, chapter number 20, verse number 1 to verse number 3. And I'll read from the NIV. Now, this is a story of King Jehoshaphat when he was surrounded by the Moabites and the Ammonites, we want to see the response of King Jehoshaphat. Verse number one, it says, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Munites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Verse number two, Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army, Let me just go back to that one, yeah. A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazaz on Tamar, that is in Engedi, or Engedi, verse number 3. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Right, they are surrounded by enemies who are coming to attack them the Ammonites and the Moabites. They are surrounding him and other people who had joined these two forces. And when Jehoshaphat heard about how they had been surrounded by enemies who had come to wage war, Jehoshaphat's response in verse number three, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. How? And he proclaimed a fast For all Judah. So we are seeing here Jehoshaphat engaging prayer and fasting in seeking divine guidance. I hope I'm talking to somebody this morning. We engage in prayer and fasting in order to seek or as a way of seeking divine guidance. Always remember. Fasting should never be done as a standalone practice. It must be done in conjunction with prayer. Very important. Hence, I am deliberately using the phrase prayer and fasting. So, reason number three, it is that of seeking divine guidance. Jehovah Shepherd wanted to know the right course to take, the right path, the right response to what was happening around him. So it is okay as a believer to engage in prayer and fasting in order to seek supernatural guidance. I want direction from the Lord. I don't know what to do in the situation that I am in. So I engage or I practice prayer and fasting in seeking supernatural guidance. Somebody go ahead and say supernatural guidance. Glory be to God. Reason number four. Why do we fast? Reason number four. So let's just recap them. Number one, we fast as an act of obedience to God's instruction. Number two, we fast as an expression of repentance. That's number two. Number three, we fast seeking supernatural guidance. Let's move on to number four. Number four, we fast in seeking supernatural intervention. I deliberately split these two. They could almost be the same, same, but I think it's important for us to split them. Number four, we do so, we do fast in seeking supernatural intervention. Yeah, there are things that are beyond the natural. There are things that are beyond human knowledge. There are things in life that we are going to encounter that are beyond human ability they need supernatural intervention very important esther chapter number four verse number six let's turn to esther chapter number four verse number 16 esther chapter number four verse number 16. this is a story of the uh, of the jews when they were under the threat Uh, of being completely destroyed as a result of a a Haman's plot or a Haman's plan. Now, when you come now to verse number 16, the scripture now is, is talking of Esther as she gave an instruction or a response to his uncle Mordecai. Verse number 16, it says, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Abstain from food as you are praying, interceding for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or a day. That's an absolute kind of fast. I and my attendants will fast as you do. Everyone was engaging in this practice of prayer and fasting. When this is done, I will go to the king even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. What is Esther doing? Esther is seeking supernatural intervention. She's about to do or take a step that is risky from a natural or from a system point of view of people that lived in this place called Susa. But Esther is now engaging in the practice of prayer and fasting in seeking supernatural intervention. Brothers and sisters, prayer and fasting works when we are in need of supernatural intervention, I'm sure most of you, you have engaged prayer and fasting when you wanted God to intervene in situations that were beyond the natural and you s- experienced the supernatural intervention, God came to your rescue. So listen to me, brothers and sisters, don't allow anyone to talk you out of these practices. When there is biblical evidence as well as your personal testimonies or the testimonies of others. That prayer and fasting, it does work when we are seeking supernatural intervention. Very important. There are a number of scriptures that I could have put out. But I just want to highlight to you some of the key passages of the scripture that address the subject of prayer and fasting. So we pray And fast in seeking supernatural intervention. Number five, there are other people that prayed and fasted as an act of service to God. As an act of what? As an act of service to God. Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter number 2, verse 36 to 37. Luke, chapter number 2, verse 36 to 37. We find Jesus... After being born and the parents, Joseph and Mary, they are taking the baby Jesus to the temple in order to observe all the, you know, all the rituals, the rituals that they were supposed to observe according to the law of Moses. According to the law of Moses. So here we find them in the temple. When you come now to verse number 36, the Bible says there was also in the temple a prophetess by the name Anna, the daughter of Pinel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. She had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage. Verse number 37. And then was a widow until she was 84 years. Until she was 84 years old. She lived as a widow. The next sentence says, she never left the temple, but worshipped day and night in fasting and praying. Right. She was doing this as an act of service to God. She never left the temple night and day. She was engaging God in fasting and also in prayer. There are some people whose life is dedicated to prayer and fasting interceding for others, praying for a move of God, that is an act of service to God. So you're going to find other people whose soul life, whose ministry, whose calling is in the area of prayer and fasting. I'm sure you can agree with me that even in our local church, there are some people we can identify. We know them. You know yourself that, you know, you have a passion, you have a calling, you have a mandate upon your life of prayer and fasting. If it wasn't for the birth of Jesus, I can almost guarantee you, we would not have heard about the prophetess Anna. Right? Why? Because there are some ministries that are not on, that are not on the forefront. They are running behind the scenes, but they are so vital to the healthy and the well-being of the church. So we have prophetess Anna, whose life was dedicated. To prayer and fasting. Reason number six. Reason number six. Fasting and prayer. Prayer and fasting was done as an act of preparation for a spiritual assignment. As an act of preparation for an an assignment. Or in brackets you can put, for spiritual empowerment. For spiritual empowerment. And I like this one. When you go to Matthew Chapter number 4, verse number 1 to 2. Matthew chapter number 4, verse number 1 to 2. We are looking at the different reasons for fasting. Matthew 4, verse number 1 to 2. The Bible says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse number 2. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now we are seeing Jesus right at the beginning of his earthly ministry. When he was 30 years old, we see Jesus going to the river Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist. And then soon after that baptism, the Bible says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This was before he engaged in his spiritual assignment. And verse number two, we the scripture uh, uh, reveals to us that Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights fasting and praying in the wilderness and soon after this we begin to hear the bible saying that then jesus then began to preach the gospel of the kingdom of god saying to people repent for the kingdom of god has come so what is jesus doing jesus is engaging in prayer and fasting in preparation for his assignment in preparation for his assignment or in other words For spiritual empowerment. For spiritual empowerment. Verse uh, number seven. And I'll go to the last reason. Number seven. Why fast? Number seven. We fast when we are consecrating spiritual leaders. For consecration of spiritual leaders. Fasting is done for consecration of spiritual leaders. Acts chapter number 13, verse number 1 to 3. x 13, verse number 1 to verse number 3. The scripture says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with the Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Verse number 2 while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Now, so fasting was not just an Old Testament practice. We are also seeing it in the New Testament. Most importantly, we are seeing it after the resurrection, when the church was fully established. We are finding the New Testament church engaging in worshiping the Lord and fasting. Verse number two, while they were worshiping and the While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, can you see, that it's not in the Old Testament that God responded to prayer and fasting, but also in the New Testament, we are finding the Holy Spirit responding to prayer and fasting. Verse number two, allow me to read it again. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them, set aside for me, set apart. In other words, consecrate Barnabas and Saul. This Saul is Paul. Guy right. is Paul. Set them apart for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed. This is verse number three. So after they had fasted and prayed, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So, prayer and fasting is being done in the consecration. spiritual leaders it's amazing that this year if everything goes according to plan as a church we 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 have a season where we, we 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 appoint people we elect people into leadership positions and i think this is vital to us that we also include this in our prayer points for this year we pray for spiritual leaders who are set aside by the holy spirit We pray for spiritual leaders who are given by the Holy Spirit. We ask the Holy Spirit to give us spiritual leaders. Am I talking to the church of God this morning? It's very, very important. It's very, very important. And allow me to say this as a a leader. Spiritual leaders are not given positions of leaders in the church because they are popular. They must come from a place of prayer and fasting. They must come from a place that is an expression of the will or of the mind, the desires of God. We don't put people into leadership because they're popular, because we like them, because we have planned, we've done church politics, you know, because we've got someone that we like. Spiritual leaders must come from God's directives. Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them, so that So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. So brothers and sisters, when you look into the word of God, there was no one way of fasting. There was no one reason for fasting. There are many reasons for fasting. And I want to believe that as we are going to be engaging in a season of fasting, we are going to be touching on a number of reasons that we have already mentioned. For example, we are going to be touching the area of seeking divine guidance of seeking divine guidance. We're going to be touching the area of seeking supernatural intervention. We're going to be touching the area of consecrating spiritual leaders. All this is part of what? Of prayer and fasting. So fasting is biblical. Fasting is biblical. It is based on the word of God. Let me move on to the last question. So we have tackled what is fasting? It is a willful, word-based practice of abstaining from food for a specific period of time for spiritual purposes. For spiritual purposes, we have covered the why. Why do we fast? Why fast? And we have gone through the seven reasons for fasting. Then number three, how then do we fast? How do we fast? I want us to look at Matthew 6, verse 16 to 18. I'm going to be closing on this one. How do we fast? Let's look at Matthew 6, verse 8, 16 to 18. And I'll read from the Amplified Version. It gives, I think, a very good context for how to fast. And the Bible says, And whenever you are fasting, now listen to me, this is Jesus who is teaching on the kingdom of God. And in teaching on the kingdom of God, he saw it fit that he addresses the subject of prayer and fasting. That means they, they, they cannot be argument about prayer and fasting if jesus took time not only to teach prayer and fasting but also to pray and fast that means a believer a follower a disciple of jesus christ will do what his master also do matthew 6 verse number 16 to 18 and whenever you are fasting do not look gloomy like the hypocrites don't drop your face don't look sad For they put on a sad and a dismissal face Like actors discoloring their faces With ashes and dirt So that their fasting may be seen by men So that their fasting may be seen by men I assure you and most solemnly say to you They already have their reward in full But you Here is the right way to fast But you when you fast Put oil on your head As you normally would To groom your hair and wash your face. In other words, they're saying, Go and wash your face. Put your makeup. (laughs) If I may put it in modern language. Go and wash your face. Do your hair nicely. Put on your makeup. Right? Wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by people, but by your father who is in the secret. And your father who sees what is done in the secret will reward you. So, brothers and sisters, the right way to fasting is that you're not doing it to be seen by man. Don't fast to be seen by man. Don't do it to be seen by people. We don't fast for us to be seen by people. We don't fast for people to clear hands for us. We don't fast to appear spiritual before men. No. The object of our prayer and fasting must be God and God alone. Don't fast to be seen by people. So in other words... The right way to fasting, it is focusing on God and God alone. Your fasting must be focused on God. It must be centered on God. It must be directed to God and God alone. So when Jesus was teaching on how to pray, he's saying, you know what, when it comes to the day of prayer and fasting, it should be as normal as your other day. There should never be any difference. You should not drop your face don't look misery don't look miserable on your day of fasting don't 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 fast in a way that people will come and ask are you okay is any is, is, is something wrong with you is everything okay no the Bible is saying life should look as normal your countenance should look just as normal put on your oil wash your face wash your hair look the same way you'd look every other day. Don't do it to be seen by people. Do it unto the Lord. So in other words, you must have the right motive when it comes to prayer and fasting. Have the right motive when it comes to prayer and fasting. Don't pray to be seen by people don't pray to upgrade your your spiritual status among other believers where you want to be seen or to appear as more spiritual than other people No, no 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 we pray to god and for god we don't do it for the wrong reasons very very important i want you to go ahead and tell somebody and say to them don't fast to be seen by people do it to engage god remember Fasting should never be done as a standalone practice. Fasting should always be done in conjunction with prayer. We pray and we fast. We are communicating with God. We are setting ourselves apart for this specific period of time, bringing our total concentration to God and God and God alone. And some of the practical guides to, to fasting as is, 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 is we prepare and as we engage in these coming few days, Make a decision to fast. Everything must start with a decision. Just make that decision, I am going to fast. And when you make that decision, plan your fasting. Don't just jump into fasting. Plan your fasting. Engage your mind. Engage everything. Have a look at your schedule. Have a look at things that may stand in the way. Plan your fasting. Get to know, when am I going to fast? in this context is from today right through to the 11th right how long am I going to fast for in our context corporately we are saying 10 days right what am I going to be doing during the fast I'm going to be praying I think this this might appear simple but you know I know of people that fast but they forget to pray You're just abstaining from food, just like somebody who's going for a major operation or somebody who wants to lose weight. There is no spiritual engagement if you don't pray. So as we are abstaining from food, we are doing so in, in the context of prayer. What am I going to be doing? I'm going to be reading the Word of God. I'm going to be listening to the Word of God. I'm going to be meditating on the Word of God. I am very sure about what I am going to be doing in my time of prayer and fasting. These are some of the practical guides. Make a decision. Plan your fasting. What time am I going to finish my my fasting? For us, we finish our fasting at 6 o'clock. We finish our fasting at 6 o'clock. We eat only once in the 24 hour period of time so we eat in the evening we only have our dinner we have our drink in the evening so once i finish my dinner in the evening that's it i don't wake up at five minutes to six o'clock in the morning to have a very heavy meal to carry me through the day no once i finish my eating the previous night that's it I'll see another meal in the evening at 6 o'clock when we finish our prayer and fasting. I know when I'm starting my fasting and I know when I'm going to finish. You will not die. (laughs) You will not collapse. You will still be alive. Trust me. People in the Bible, they prayed and they fasted. No one dropped dead. We have done it year in, year out. You will be fine. Engage yourself in God. Remember to observe The same principles of prayer, the principle of faith, the principle of agreement, and the principle of confession. So plan your fasting. Have a compelling biblical basis for your fasting. Be very sure of why you are fasting. Are you fasting in seeking spiritual guidance? Are you doing your fast in seeking spiritual uh, intervention? Are you doing so in order to in order in, as, as as an act of service to God? You know, are, are they things that you want God to respond in your life have a compelling biblical basis? For your fasting, you're going to need that Because there are times where You're going to hear voices That would try to talk you out of fasting So you must have a compelling Biblical reason for your fasting Allow me to conclude with some of the most Or the most frequently asked questions Around fasting Number one, is fasting compulsory? Pastor, I'm a member of the Ebenezer Fellowship So is it compulsory for me to fast. Here's the good news to you. The definition of fasting is fasting is a willful it is intentional right. It is a willful practice. Word best practice of abstaining from food and drink for a specific period of time for spiritual purposes. Now because it is a willful there should never be any room for compulsion. So you don't fast You don't practice fasting out of Compulsion. In other words, out of force Out of coercion, Out of intimidation We don't fast out of fear It is a willful Because I'm responding to God's instruction I'm responding to the word of God I'm responding to biblical Practices or disciplines I'm doing it out of faith Right, so no one Should fast Out of compulsion if i'm to put it in my own words i would say look at fasting not as a composite practice but as a requirement or as a necessity i think that's the correct word As a necessity in your journey of faith don't look at fasting as a composite practice but look at it as a necessity can i can i just break it down maybe in terms that we can maybe all connect you know in our relationships Perhaps a husband and a wife. You know, we communicate not under compulsion. The same way talking to your spouse or to your parents is not compulsory, yet it is a necessity. Is the same way that we ought to view prayer and fasting. You know, in your relationship, no one comes and forces you to talk. If you don't want to talk, you're not going to talk but you those who understand the dynamics of healthy relationships, you talk not because you're under compulsion but because you know it's a necessity it will benefit it will enhance our relationship. So in the very same understanding that's how we ought to view prayer and fasting. Look at prayer and fasting as a necessity in your journey of in your journey of faith. Now corporately, one might ask the question pastor is it okay for me to pray to fast and pray at a later time now whenever there is a corporate call to prayer and fasting your 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 engagement your engagement in this corporate prayer and fasting is a sign of unity it is a sign of oneness it is a sign of of us coming into agreement so i want to encourage you i'm not forcing you right I'm not pushing this on you. But corporately, unity is everything. Oneness is everything. There's something that comes when people do things in unity. Very, very important. Another question uh, other people may ask. Pastor, I've got a medical condition. So should I fast? If you've got a medical condition, which will be aggravated by fasting? Here's my advice to you. Don't fast if you've got a medical condition that would be aggravated would be worsened by the practice of fasting of abstaining from food and or a drink in some cases you must stop fasting but remember pr- fasting is not a standalone practice so the fact that you are not up you are not abstaining from food it does not mean that you should stop fa- praying in this season of prayer and fasting if there are medical grounds for you not to fast Continue to engage in prayer. Communicate with God. Seek divine guidance. Seek supernatural intervention. You should not stop praying because you can't fast because of medical reasons. And in some cases, because of your medical condition, it's wiser, it's advisable to seek medical advice. So engage your GP, engage your doctor. Have a conversation with them. You know what? I want to engage in prayer and fasting what's your advice in regards to my medical condition sometimes it is wiser to do that other people ask the question my work environment is is makes it difficult for me to pray and fast or to pray you know other people we limit prayer you know to the to the volume of our voices some people they feel that they are not praying if they are not shouting if they are not pray saying loud prayers Brothers and sisters, in environments of work, you need to observe your policies and everything. You cannot run away from doing your duties and go to a secret place to pray. No, you need to observe your policies in your workplace. But inside of you, engage, have an attitude of prayer. Have a prayerful attitude as you are doing your work. Make use of your break times. Where you used to go to the staff room. You know what? Go into your car. Switch on the engine if it's cold Keep yourself warm in the car And engage God in those 5 minutes of your break In those 10 minutes of your break In those 15 minutes, 30 minutes of your break That one hour of your break I've done this again and again To the point that even when I'm not fasting I, uh, it's, it's now normal for me that during my break, I go in my car. It's my time to read the Bible. It's my time to read books. It's my time to listen to a message. It's my time to meditate. It's my time to pray. I'm, I'm growing myself. I'm allowing myself to engage God in my break time. Because I know that the moment I get home, you know, minister, when wants their attention, children wants their attention as well. There are other things that need be to, to be done. It would be easier for me to say, I don't have time and not practice prayer and fasting. Create time for it. Use your break time to pray. Be in the attitude of prayer wherever you are. You know, it's okay to pray silently. I'm walking down the corridor. I'm not talking to anybody. But you know what? I'm in the spirit of prayer. I'm praying. I'm engaging God right on the inside of me. Another question other people may ask. I like this one. Pastor, uh, I started my my fasting Very well. And then from nowhere, at 2 o'clock, maybe at 10 o'clock, I found myself chewing a biscuit. So should I stop fasting? Listen to me, child of God. And I'm I'm sure you're going to like this advice. Listen to me. If you happen to find yourself chewing a biscuit, if you find yourself chewing something or eating something when you're fasting, listen to me. Swallow it and carry on with your fasting. Yeah? I've, I've seen people that say, you know what, because I've, 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 I ate something accidentally, that means I've, I've broken the rule of fasting, and they stop fasting for the rest of the day. Listen to me, child of God. We don't do it that way. If you have done it accidentally, swallow it and continue with your prayer without any sense of guilt. Remember, we are not doing this legalistically, if I put it that way. You must not be legalistic in your prayer and fasting. I grew up in an environment where, you know, swallowing was a big deal during the days of prayer and fasting. Where other people say, if you swallow your own saliva, you were considered as you, you ate something. You know, we don't have to be so legalistic when it comes to prayer and fasting. Remember, the same principles that work on prayer are the same principles that we must use when it comes to prayer and fasting. Very important. We are doing it out of faith. We are staying in agreement to God. We are saying the same thing that God has done. We are doing it out of obedience to God. I always like to use this example. You know, those who compete in athletics, suppose you are running, it's a marathon, and it happens that you trip and then you fall. You know, you don't don't keep lying down there and crying and say because I've fallen, so I'm not going to continue the running. No. Good athletes who are on this journey or competition, they'll pick themselves up and continue with the run, increase the pace. So I'm saying to each child of God, if you happen to accidentally find yourself eating, don't stop your fasting for the rest of your day. Swallow the food and continue. If spitting the food is gonna help you do so, but I would encourage you just swallow it and continue with your prayer and your fasting. Very, very, very important, very important. There are some practices That are counterproductive Or there are some things that are counterproductive To prayer and fasting Very important, doubt Don't doubt when you are praying and fasting Don't doubt That's why I've taken time To lay down a biblical foundation To prayer and fasting It's counterproductive to doubt Yeah Doubting is counterproductive to prayer and fasting A doubting person who has got a double mind does not receive anything from the Lord. So don't doubt. Don't allow doubt to creep you whenever you are praying and fasting. Number two, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will hinder your prayers. It will hinder your prayers. So if you've got someone that you're holding on your heart, you've got a grudge, you've got bitterness, you've got anger over what someone has done to you or something that you've done to someone Go and resolve that matter with that person. Be in good books with all men. Live in peace with all men. Be at peace with all men. Unforgiveness will hinder you from an effective prayer and fasting. And then last one. Living in sin habitually. Living in sin habitually is counterproductive to your prayers and fasting. I'm talking about the acts of sin, where you are doing them habitually again and again, where s- living in sin becomes a lifestyle, a habit, where it becomes a sport, according to one of the verses in, 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 in the book of Proverbs, where you you, you sin as a, as a, as a sport. It, it's counterproductive to prayer and fasting. So uh, move yourself from acts of sin move yourself from acts of sin brothers and sisters you, you, you cannot disobey the word of god in one area and believe that your prayer and fasting is just going to work no prayer and fasting is not a way of untwisting twisting god that because i fasted so god is going to respond there are things that are counterproductive to prayer and fasting walk uprightly respect the word of god observe the word of god live in agreement with the word of god I pray that this has created a good foundation, a basis for you to engage in prayer and fasting from a place of understanding. I've explained the background behind the 10 days. It's a response to the speaking of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church, hence we do so. And we are not going to allow anyone to talk us out. Don't even allow yourself to talk yourself out of prayer and fasting. I've seen people that have given themselves what they consider valid reasons for not praying and fasting. You know, beware of such things. Beware of talking yourself out of prayer and fasting. Beware of allowing others to talk you out of prayer and fasting. It is biblical. Engage God in this season while others are doing it. Let's do it together as an act of unity, as an expression of agreement, as an expression of a corporate journey in jesus mighty name may god bless you thank you for tuning into your change a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation to interact with us please visit our website at afmim or follow us at ebenezer fellowship afmim on facebook instagram and twitter you can also interact with Pasta Diamond on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For easy access, the links are in the description.